Good morning, New Song Church. Thought I'd start off with uh, wearing my safety mask so that all of you at home can be safe this morning. Um, but I'm using it as a prop because it brings a reality of what our current situation is. And my message this morning is on you are significant. And you know what? I am glad to be part of a church family that believes that each one of us is significant and that the people around us in our everyday lives are significant as well to God's kingdom. And it always amazes me how many people believe they are insignificant. And to be honest, I fell into this trap a couple weeks ago. And I'm going to go ahead and take this off. I may make a little noise with the microphone. Sorry about that. Part of having props. Anyways, like I was saying, I fell into this trap a couple weeks ago. And you hear on the media all this stuff about you... You people that are working, you are essential workers. You know, we need you. Um, and, you know, and that's how the feeling at first that you got. And I want you guys to just listen to this out of a kingdom mindset. Please do not feel in any way that I am being judgmental. I'm just trying to express how in the moment I have felt and other people have felt. Because, you know, what's funny, out of our heart speaks what's going on in us. And I was at work, and we were discussing between a couple co-workers, we're essential workers. And out of my mouth came, it feels like we're expendable workers. And they were like, my co-workers are like, yeah, that's how I feel. And then one of my co-workers in the break room shared that word that I had spoken to other co-workers, and the same feeling. Oh, I feel like we're expendable. And even in a couple posts that I've seen recently from some friends that are essential workers, one person wrote this, and like I said, please accept it from God's kingdom mindset. Understand, because one thing we share in my group of kingdom relationships is understanding where people are coming from. In their feelings. And we all have feelings during this certain um, circumstance, and I just want to share one of them here. Because there's people stuck at home, and a lot of the essential workers feel that you guys are cowering in fear. Because, and you're, you're able to do that in a way because you expect us to pick up your garbage. You expect us to have the grocery store stocked for you. And this is someone else's writing. These aren't my words. So you can get milk. You expect truck drivers to supply the stores. You expect farmers, meat packers, fruit and vegetable packers to keep food to the grocery stores. You expect, expect Amazon to, to still ship all the things you order. You expect your phone to work. You expect the power to stay on. You expect the mail to show up. And most part, you expect the doctors and nurses to be there as well. 
This whole premise as an essential worker feels like the shelter in place is based on the idea that others must risk their health so you can protect yours. And so out of my heart, I had spoken a word that got carried. And it got carried that we are expendable. But it did expose a reality of how some people were feeling. And likewise, even those that are at home are probably getting the feeling as well as inadequate to do anything. And so there's this whole perception during this environment that is determining our significance. And we're determining it by the environment around us. So what I want to do is jump right into Scripture and look at why, why we need to believe um, we are people of significance. Not because it's a man-made reason like what's going on, but a legitimate reason God believes you are significant. I believe it's important that we get God's narrative on humanity and us as a people. In point one, we are loved by God and he actually delights in us and he created us in his image. Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, even the coronavirus. There's just a massive theme, especially in creation, where God is saying, I want to make you just like me. Have you ever noticed sometimes... Um, when you look at architecture, and sometimes, you know, there's just beautiful works, beautiful architecture, but then there comes along one, you're just like, what was that person thinking? What's, what's going on there, you know? And, and a lot of times with those ones, or a lot of art, there's an explanation behind it. And you, if you take the time to either research it, or there may be a plaque if you come across one, or, and it just describes what's going on in that, that artwork. And in that description on that plaque, we begin to realize where they're coming from, right? And it always amazes me if I take the time to understand where they're coming from, that item begins to grow in value to me. And that's how it is with a lot of things in our lives. I believe sometimes we come up with our own narrative on humanity and ultimately what sin has done to us. We know sin is an ugly and destructive thing, but I think we need to go back a little bit, take some steps back and realize that God created people in his image. And we need to see people through the eyes of God. And that he said it was good. He said it was beautiful. He said this was made in my image. Obviously, a large part of the conversation, there is the fall of man and sin. And that's a massive conversation. And it's important to know that. But for right now, I want to say, from the beginning, you were significant to God. 
There's a passage in Proverbs 8 I love to read. It's verses 22 through 31. And we're not going to read all of it. But it's a short synopsis of creation, about forming the waters of the earth and all the stuff created. And it's a beautiful passage. But at the very end, he says, Rejoice in his, Rejoicing in his inhabited world, and my delight was in the sons of men. So even in the creation process, where God made us in his image, and after he created everything, he looks and he says, ah, I delight in that. I think it's important that our significance comes from the knowledge that we are loved by God. And to be honest, I fell into that, that trap of the enemy that changed who I was in my significance. It said, you are expendable. And God said to me later on, he said, Jeremiah, where is that coming from? That is not what I speak over you. You are not expendable. You are essential in every way for my kingdom. I love you. I love you so much. You are not expendable. And that's the, really the premise of our identity right there. He delights in us. He loves us. He's created us in his image. And he just has such a love for us and everyone around us. In Psalm 67, 1 and 2, it says... God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us, Selah, that you may be known on earth your salvation amongst all nations. I think the other side of significance that is important to mention is if we are loved by God, he delights in us, and the other part is he wants to display himself through us. Which to me is a massive emphasis that he wants to shine through us. He wants to bring revelation through us. He wants to bring hope through us. He wants to bring healing through us. He wants to bring that joy, that wisdom and that significance in who you are. In this passage, uh, David is writing, he says, I want your face to shine on me so that the nations know who you are. In that moment of human frailty for me, and speaking that word to those around me, I wasn't displaying God's kingdom. But God turned it around, didn't he? God used that moment of my weakness and he made it a strength. And he, he revealed to me what I need to be speaking to those around me. Because I, I, had, I had taken it on. And my coworkers had taken it on. And other people that I had talked to that are essential workers, 
there was that same kind of feeling. David was saying, I want your favor. I want your face, your light to shine through my life. Everything about me. So when the nations look at me, they say, who's your daddy? Who is your daddy? How, how did this happen in your life? What's going on there? Why do you have such peace in this situation? Why do you have such confidence? Why are you so wise about what's going on? It's because I am pulling from the kingdom of heaven and what the Father has given me. And sometimes, too, the reason why I wanted to focus on some Old Testament scriptures is because sometimes we even with the Old Testament put a lens on it that says that God is mad or upset. But you know what? He's not. He just wants the very best for his children. He delights in his people from day one, and he loves his people. I think there's um, two reasons that I want to express here that makes us that essential person, that makes us that key in the kingdom. One, of course, is salvation. You know, Christ came so that we could be saved. And we all need to be saved from sin. And from day one, God wanted to be amongst his people. You see him in the Old Testament. He's, he's in the temple. He's in the tabernacle. He's in the tent. He lived among them. He wanted to be with his people. And then you get to the New Testament and the New Covenant after Jesus died and rose from the grave. And in Colossians 1.27 comes to mind. And it says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery amongst the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We are the ultimate temple. From the beginning of time, the ultimate price was paid for the ultimate temple. Which really begs the question, can you actually pay a price for something that doesn't have value? I was creating no value in my life when I spoke those words. When we look at the death on the cross and the resurrection, that is the most dramatic way to pay a price for something. The most dramatic way any of us could pay a price for anyone, like our kids, our friends, our family, those around us, there's nothing more expensive to lay down your life. And you know what? I had a reality in what I had said, being the essential worker. I am laying down my life in a wise way. I'm doing every precaution. You know, wear the mask, hand sanitize, you know, be there. You know, but I am putting my life on the line for my brothers and sisters in Christ, my future brothers and sisters in Christ. You know? And there's nothing more than expensive than that. Christ gave his life for us. And that's because there's value in it. So when Jesus died, he did it because there is value in you. There is value in you. 
He didn't just do it because he had to, because God said, now you're going to go down there, and this is what you're going to do, and then you're going to do this, and then this, you're going to do this, and then you're going to die on the cross. Then you're going to rise again, and then you're going to go up to heaven. Okay? That's the plan. You do it. No. Jesus has, with God, compassion for us. He loves us. He came for you. You are essential. Each one of us are essential to God's kingdom. And we actually should be mad at the enemy for stealing what is ours. When he steals a soul, when someone is lost, we should be mad at that. We should be mad that with this virus, he is taking lives beyond, be, before their time. Because that person is essential to God's kingdom. Every person is essential to God's kingdom. And it's important to realize that we need Jesus. We need a Savior. And so what Jesus did was for us. And he wanted to emphasize to us that you are valuable. And a lot of times what the world wants to do, it wants to come at different angles, telling us how to base our significance you're, you're significant because you're a grocery worker. You're significant because you're the trash man. Is that where you base your significance? No. Our significance is what Christ did for us and who we are in God and his kingdom. That's where our significance needs to come from. With significance, there, be, there tends to be two types of significance. One being what you do, what you look like, and what people think you, of you. My, my whole look is over the last year has changed. It's, it's a new, and there's nothing wrong with that being a part of the reality of who I am. But it doesn't bring the ultimate significance of who I am. And that's where you have to keep it. And it reminds me of the circles that we have that I talk about in our kingdom relationship group. There's the middle circle that's you and God. That's your ultimate significance. Then there's the next circle out. And that could be your, your wife or your closest friend. You know, those, those bring significance because those people speak love and life into your life. And then out there, next circle out could be your kids, then your friends, the coworkers, you know. So all those things are part of your circle that bring significance, but the main core always has to be God or Christ. That has to be always our significance. My identity is not in my job. My identity is not in my wife. She is just a part of that, that flows into that kingdom area with me and God. At any time, I can attach my identity to something outside, and that doesn't go well. Because you know what happens? If you, if you take a balloon and you pop through the circle, what happens to that balloon? It collapses. So when you bring something from the outside into that inner circle with you and God, and you make that a priority of your significance, guess what? You've made that just as important or more important than God. 
and it pops that bubble and it collapses and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Our significance has to be in God. And our significance has to come from abiding in who he is. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. That's the other part of significance. Is, yes, we have the confidence of who we are in Christ and what we can display. But we need to be constantly reminded in humility that we cannot do any of it without him. We cannot do it without him. And if you don't flip over that coin, if you don't keep that perspective then you get out of balance. You either get overconfident, you begin, sometimes you get arrogant. Arrogance is is about what I can get. It's about what I can gain. And a funny story is one of our other cashiers had someone come through their line at the beginning. And the person was just like, what are all these people doing here? And the cashier nicely in a, correcting tone said, well, you're here. <laughs> yeah, I, I need groceries, but why are all these other people here? And the cashier was like, well, they're not skateboarding. They're obviously here to get groceries like you. But they're, they're supposed to be staying at home. They're supposed to be sheltering in place. See, that was, that's an arrogant attitude. Because it's about me. Why are they, these people are threatening me? It's about me. And that's not where we need to come from. We need to come from that level of confidence of who we are in Christ and what he can do through us. And it's about what he wants to shine through you to impart to those around you. Impart that wisdom, impart that peace, impart that joy. And when somebody's going through a situation, you know, with Dan and Brenda's daughter, you know, it was just amazing to see everybody just speaking life to that, speaking life to that. You know, she was, she was struggling with that. And that's where we need to be as a body. When one of us is struggling, we stand in there with them and we speak life. We speak peace. We speak wisdom. We speak what Christ says to that situation. And that's what Paul does in a lot of his introductions. You know, sometimes we skip over it and we we go right to the meat. But Paul says in his letters, to the saints. What's he doing? He's saying who you are now. Who you are now. You are the saints. The saints in Ephesus. Addressing people as saints. He wasn't addressing them as the opposite. So as you look at promises in Scripture, it's not someday I'm going to get there. It's it's more like, that's for me now, because I am identified as a saint. I am identified as a child of God. I am his delight. All of those things. 
So I encourage you, as you read scripture, as things come into your life that God is revealing to you, write those down, preserve them, dwell on them. We've been cleaning out our garage and we've made like four or five trips to the dump. I was like, where did all this stuff come from? And, uh, and it's, you know, that's one thing, I guess, this has been a time, a season of almost purging as well, you know, and so, but in going through that, I, we came across some of this stuff and I was just pulling them out and um, like these ones from Rachel uh, when she was younger. <laughs> uh, one of them says, I had a great time with you. I love you so much and you are the best dad I've ever had. I, I'm the only dad she had. <laughs> uh, but it was just kind of funny. Um, happy Easter, Dad. Jesus loves you as much as your family and I do. Today we are going to thank Jesus for dying on the cross for, for our sins. Love, Rachel. Another one is Caleb's hand. And Rachel's is there too, but I'm trying to get from each kid. You know... That's a physical representation of who he is and what he means to me, you know? And I love how it's so colorful because life is so colorful, you know? And that's how God is with us. He loves to see our handprints with him on things as he's shining through us, you know? And just a picture of playing baseball, having a good time. God wants to have a good time with you, he wants to shine through you. He wants to delight in you in every way. And then with Ella. <clears throat> Ella for dad. I love you, dad. One, the important, you so loving. This was when she was really young, learning how to write. <laughs> and then this beautiful card that she drew, you know, mom and dad's heart and the family. And just, I love you. And then even just coming across a love letter from my wife. I saved all of our love letters. And she was going on a trip and she wrote this. Here's a poem I wrote for you. I'm not very good at poetry, so I hope you like it. In, in anyways, I really am going to miss you. I'll be thinking of you every single day. Miss you. I miss you every single day. I wish I didn't have to go away. I love you this much I know. I wish I didn't have to go. The sunrise means the day is anew. The sunset makes me think of you. So promise me this very day, your love will never go away. Christ wants you to know that. His love will never go away from you. It will never go away from you. He loves you so much. He wants to shine through you. You are not expendable. You are essential to his kingdom. And lastly, when you take on, just let this be a representation. When you take on God's kingdom, he wraps around you his cloak. And this is a family cloak that my wife did for me. And David will put up a picture as well. 
But that's what God does. He takes everything that he's doing in you and he reminds you of those things. He wants those to be before you and he wraps them around you because he wants to establish in you that you are significant in every way. You are significant in every way. And one last quote before I pray. When I was meditating on this, I just felt God speak this. It says, what is speaking to your significance? Is it the safety of the rules and environment that are created for you currently? Or is it the kingdom finding creative ways to reveal itself through you in this current environment? And God has been so creative, hasn't he? With the drive-through church and everything. He has been so creative in every way. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you have created us in your image. And you have said it was good and you delight in people. We are also thankful that you paid the ultimate price for the ultimate temple that we confess our sins and accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that you would live inside of us and that Christ inside of us takes on a whole new meaning. I pray for everyone that they will embrace this and carry this in every way to reveal your kingdom shining through them, speaking life, speaking healing, speaking promise, speaking wisdom and significance to everyone around them. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, Jeremiah, for that. Truly good food. We are significant. What a blessing. Wonderful truth. The truth sets us free. Love that. Thank you. We're going to worship with another song in just a moment. But first, Marty Peterson's team is releasing some words of knowledge, impressions from the Holy Spirit about some of the conditions that we are experiencing in our homes, in our lives. Let's wait before the Lord on this. And if there's something that's identified in your life, just let faith rise up and say, my healing bought by the blood of Christ is mine today as we pray afterwards. So also we're going to pray for other needs as well. Whatever need you might have, just touch that part of your body or close to it. So much power in praying together like this. We had a testimony recently from someone who was watching our live streaming service from Florida with a severe toothache that had been plaguing her for several days, maybe weeks. And we prayed. There was a word released and, there, and we prayed. And in Florida, the healing came and the pain hasn't come back. It's a testimony. It's amazing. So lots of miracles out there waiting for us. Let's receive them in childlike faith. Here, here's a, uh, the word of knowledge right now. Impressions from the Spirit about today's healing. Good morning. Focus. This is Marty Peterson, 
and I have some words for my Word of Knowledge team. Jeanette Bakke felt like someone had a liver problem. Mel Bakke felt like someone had a pain in their wrist. Carolyn Bell felt like someone had stomach problems. Jenny LaBaugh felt like there was someone with a stiff neck and shoulders and also dealing with fear. Connie Sickler felt like someone had problems in their hips. Sherry Warren felt like there was someone with a middle toe, right foot, that was affecting your walk. And myself, I felt like someone with a problem with the calf of their leg and also with throat pressure. So if you today are one of these people, you feel like this applies to you, then we just ask the Lord right now to touch you, for you to feel his presence, for you to feel his healing power over you today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Will you join me in faith as we pray for people with these needs? We praise you for the anointing in everyone's homes for healing. The presence of the Lord is there for healing right now. I ask these friends right now to agree with me with the chest tightness that Sarah is still experiencing. My daughter, Sarah Larkham in England, the level three out of five. For your touch, we agree together right now for healing for Sarah, full healing. For this word about liver, come Holy Spirit, be healed, liver. Stomach issues, be healed. Wrist, be blasted with the healing power of the Spirit of God. Hips, right now, the healing is coming. Here comes God. Here comes heaven right now for you. Stiff neck, shoulders, fear. We neutralize you in Jesus' name, fear. And we say healing come for that stiff, stiff neck and shoulders. Feel some resistance there. We say again in the name of Jesus, we break your power, pain, and stiff neck and shoulders. And we say, healing is the children's bread. Middle toe, right foot, impeding walk, be healed right now. Thank you for your love to heal people, Jesus. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. For that leg, calf area, thank you, Jesus, that you enjoy healing. You have great joy in healing that calf area of that leg right now. And the throat pressure, my it's, goodness, it's gone. Thank you, Jesus. And anyone else, as we agree for touching these areas, the angels are so happy today watching Jesus do his Jesus stuff. Praise you, Lord, and thank you. And we want to praise you and worship you together one more time right now before we are done worshiping as a family today. Let's praise him. Yeah. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. No other foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, 
We're so glad that you were able to join us today as part of our church family, worshiping, experiencing God, seasons of refreshing, wonderful food in the Word of God, the prophetic, spiritual gifts of the Word of Knowledge and healing. There's a lot of Jesus life going on through our fellowship. One of the expressions that I've really excited about is that we have a team of new song friends that are making masks giving them to nursing homes and it really anyone who asks anyone has a need and if you would like a mask or you know of someone who would like a mask mailed to them or if you'd like one mailed to you you can go to the bulletin at newsongmedford.com and note the announcement there and the number to call for Jean Moss and she'll send you one so, well, really been a good day, Brenda, and worship hasn't it? been really a fun time in God. Feel God's love, His care over us, don't you? And anything you'd like to say to people before we go? We all want to say thank you to Jeremiah for a wonderful, very deep word, deeply felt word. We all felt it. We love that God sees each one of us as significant, unique, and well-loved. And I just declare over all of us, from the youngest to the oldest, have a good week. Have a really, really good week and prosper in Jesus' name. We love you and we'll see you next time.